creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm an illustrator for clients like Apple, Xbox, Lego, and the New York Times. I make this show because as someone who struggles to fit into the regular world, being creative for me isn't a nice to have. It's an essential tool in my toolbox in life, and I know that I'm not alone in that. So if you're in that category... This show is for you. Do you ever feel like no one gets your creative work? You get super excited, you execute the work, you put it out in the world, and it's just crickets. This has happened to me on tons of occasions, and I've found that the one thing that has made the difference and has helped me get over this obstacle and make some progress in this area is to create deconstructed behind the scenes opportunities of my work for my audience to appreciate and understand what I'm doing on a deeper level. I can't think of anybody that has more experience and time spent exploring this idea than our guest today, Rishi Kesh Hirway. Hirway is a musician and podcaster behind the hit show Song Exploder, where he gets musicians to break down some of their biggest songs and tell the stories behind them. He's had the biggest pop legends you can imagine on this show, from Madonna to John Legend, and also some of my personal favorite indie musicians like Rostam, Julian Baker, and Waxahachie. This show is so massive of a podcast that it got turned into a Netflix series with artists like R.E.M., Alicia Keys, The Killers, and Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I cannot recommend that podcast or the Netflix series more. It's an absolute masterclass of case studies uh, in creative thinking, and um, it's just super inspiring, even though I'm not a musician myself. I wanted to talk to Rishi Kesh because he did an amazing TED Talk on the power of walking your audience through your work and explaining your work almost like you're a realtor showing off a house. And if you stay until the end of this episode, I'm going to come back at the very end with a call to adventure prompt that I call the creative key. And I'm saying key like a key to a map, but it also is a key in that it unlocked the biggest post I ever put on social media and ultimately a book deal. So stay tuned for that. But for now, enjoy my chat with Rishi Case Hereway as we dive into this idea and also explore the biggest takeaways he's learned as a creative speaking with some of the biggest creatives of our time. I just super enjoyed this chat. I hope you love it too. Uh, He's a very generous guy with tons of creative insight and experience. Here's my chat with Rishi K. Shearway. (laughs) 
So we got our first Factor meals, and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how Factor meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low-calorie Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash peptalk50 and use code peptalk50 to get 50% off. That's code peptalk50 at factormeals.com slash peptalk50 to get 50% off. First of all, thanks um, just for making the time. And I'd love it if you'd maybe just give people a little synopsis or or taste for what your TED Talk was about. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to figure out, like, yeah, how do you explain this difference in perspective? The people who make a song and the people who uh, are just experiencing it. And, and how do you get them how do you draw them in? And so I had this idea of, of a, a song as a house and all of the detail and work. And sometimes it's very messy work, you know, all the stuff in the crawl spaces and things. Yeah. And then some of it's very beautiful, like the finish molding, all these things that go into building a house. And for somebody who's walking by, they don't know any of that stuff. They don't see what, how many rooms there are. They don't see uh, what they look like. They just see this sort of facade. And for some people, people who might even love a song, that's the extent to which they experience it. They experience this sort of removed listening. And I thought Song Exploder would be a way to say, no, 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 there's actually, it's not just this 2D front. It's this whole three-dimensional experience. Come inside. And and then you actually have, not only do you get to come inside, but you have the artist who created it giving you the tour and saying like, Oh, you see this, see this cool thing that I did over here. Also, you see this place where the wall is damaged and patched over. That's because of this mistake that I'm hoping you aren't going to notice, but is in here. You know, <laughs> they, they show you the sort of the, the cool stuff, the warts and everything. And you get to understand it in a way that's a little bit more similar to how the artist who created it experiences it. In my experience listening to the show, like if I listen to an episode and, and they go deep in this one song... I feel like I always like the song more. Like, I feel like the next time I hear it, I'm more endeared to it. And your metaphor, it kind of reminded me of this conversation I had with my in-laws who are British. And we were kind of comparing our experience selling our houses. We both kind of went through that process, you know, relatively recently. And I don't know if this is how all British people do it, but from what they were saying, they were like, when you sell your house in England, you are the person who shows people through the house. Like right. you're the actual one walking them through that. And as an American doing it, I've never experienced that. I can't imagine doing that. It sounds extremely right. uncomfortable. Um, yeah. But I could see all these pros and cons. Like I could see all the, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of pros and cons to that, to those different ways of doing it. And it kind of reminded me of, I feel like there's an artistic debate on whether you should explain your work 
or whether you shouldn't explain your work. Now, I personally, I mean, I have a podcast with 400 episodes, many of which are me just talking. So I, I lean towards, it's a good thing to talk about it. I like to, I, and I find that your podcast like yours do something to me that connects me to the artist. And, and I thought was what was so brilliant about your Ted talk was that you told this story and then you did it with your work. So when you played your song at first, I was hearing it. I was like, okay, that's cool. I like, I like the sound of this. Um, but as you told the story, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, like it's, it's coming to life. Could you tell a little bit about that? What that process is like a little bit about that song um, and what makes it personal. And then I'd love to hear your kind of your personal creative take as a musician on striking that balance between showing people through the house and then letting them just encounter it. Yeah. 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 Well, the song that I played um, in, in the, as part of the Ted talk, I, I sort of played a little clip of, um, this little instrumental bit of a, of a song and there was guitar and cello and maybe there was a little bit of me singing. And then I told the story of what the, the song was about it, it very briefly, you know, that it was about, it was a song that I'd written about my mom, uh, at the time, um, when I re- had written it, she had passed away, uh, a few weeks earlier and, um, and I'd had this dream about her and, uh, in the dream, she was not sick. She was, she was sort of the way that I remember her from, from years ago. And we had this very sort of, um, normal kind of interaction, but at the end of it, there was some acknowledgement between the two of us that she was gone and that I told her that I missed her. And, and she said that she missed me too. And then I woke up from that dream. And the next day I wrote the song that was about sort of, that's my experience now with her, um, is, is that it is like, um, I can only sort of, uh, connect with her in these sort of in-between places. And the person who was playing cello on the song is Yo-Yo Ma. Um, he was somebody who I had talked to about the song and, and he, he played this part that's supposed to represent my mom's voice because my mom used to hum my songs in the other room. You know, I'd be, I, when I was a kid or when I was a kid, when I was first starting to make music and recording stuff in my bedroom, um, I'd play the same part over and over and over again. And my mom would hear, you know, inevitably hear it. And sometimes I'd catch her like with one of those parts stuck in her head. And that always made me feel like really connected to her, that she, she appreciated what I did, even though she didn't always have the language to say that. So I wanted to put that in the song. And, uh, and so I, like when I recorded the demo, I, I just hummed it like she was humming. And then, and then Yo-Yo Ma replaced it by playing cello. And so I sort of told that story and then I played the same little clip again and um and just to say like how does this feel like do you have a different experience of what you heard in the, the compared to the first time and then at the end of the talk i played the whole song yeah it was it was incredible i highly recommend anybody who hasn't watched the ted talk to go check it out because it, it's such a powerful example of a, 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 maybe a different way to think about how people relate to creative stuff like what makes us connect with it um i'm really fascinated by like how, you know, I've, I've just started reading about these, the change in, in the eras of painting from the, uh, sensory and, and literal, literal kind of paintings to the abstract and how, as that shift happened, 
um, artist manifestos and statements became a lot more plentiful because they felt mm. like they needed to explain it. Um, and I've thought a lot about how, like, for me, there's a lot of, I can pinpoint a lot of times when I heard music, it didn't make sense to me. And then I saw a video of them playing it live and I was like, oh, I kind of, that makes it make sense. Or just weird things will make it click. Mm -hmm. um, and I wondered for yourself as a musician, like how has that idea affected you as a musician? And do you, have you seen examples outside of Song Exploder of how artists go about creating that extra layer or kind of helping people navigate it or give them a way in. I don't know. So a big part of the origin story for song exploder for me comes from my college experience. I was an art major in, in college and um, I studied photography and graphic design and especially in photography, we would have these crits every week in class, uh, you know, a crit short for a critique and mm -hmm. half the class, would be responsible for pinning up the photos that they had taken two weeks prior and um, talking about them. And we would go up one, you know, one by one and the professor and the TA and the rest of the class would be your audience. And you'd talk about what you were trying to do, what you were trying to achieve, what the concept of your work was. And that would be sort of a preamble to everybody then like looking at the work and then asking questions um, and saying, oh, how come you decided to uh, only shoot at night. If you were trying to get this thing, would it have been easier to do it during the day or something like that? And someone would have to respond or how come you used this camera or used this lens? And sometimes it would, people would have an answer for like, well, I did it for this reason. Sometimes people wouldn't have an answer and they'd be like, well, actually I hadn't considered that that could be an element that goes into it. And uh, I got so much out of that. Like I felt like it really helped me polish my sense of storytelling in my work. Um, not that it's like a novel or anything like that, but just the idea of like, well, what is it that I'm trying to communicate? What is it that I'm trying to communicate in photography? Just like, what is it that I'm seeing that I want people to see that they might not have seen otherwise? And I loved that experience and I loved learning about other people's work in that way. When I became a musician, you know, I didn't go to school for music. I played in bands in school. Um, and then after I, after school, I decided that was what I wanted to do with my life and, and just make music. But so I never had that kind of formal experience of getting to listen to people or talk about my own work, um, in this, you know, in this kind of crucible of, of like, what's the concept? How are you executing it? And why did you do what you wanted to do? But in the informal ways uh, that I had the opportunity to do that, I, I always pounced on them. You know, I'd go to, to go to a friend's house and they'd play me whatever song it was that they were working on. And, and I'd be like, oh, wait, what is that happening? Can you mute everything else? Can I just hear that? You know, and, and I'd be like, oh, my God, how did you do that? What, what did you make that with? And, you know, it was like, it was like being in school again, but for, you know, whatever, like indie music scene that I was yeah, in. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I never got the chance to, uh, uh, to do that in school with music and, and in music, I never got to do that in that kind of formal way. So what was I trying to say? 
Um, so I would, I would take every chance I had, um, to learn about what other people were doing. Yeah. Partly for my own edification and also just because, yeah, I would love the music more by, by learning about it. And this thing that people have of like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want somebody to tell me what the song is about because if the song is about something that's different than what I think what the song is about, then it'll ruin it for me. I don't know. I just don't have, I don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. I want to know um, what the artist was thinking about. I think I'm curious about artists as people and I, and I don't necessarily want to divorce the work from whatever they were thinking about. I think it's, I don't know. I, I don't need it to be so selfishly my own experience in order to appreciate it. And I think I can also live sort of hand in hand with what the song makes me feel and what it might have been, what the intention behind it might've been. Yeah. I, uh, one thing that I'm struck by with that is that, uh, there's been kind of a theme this year for me with different, um, interviews I've done and just, I don't know, I've just been thinking a lot about, it's kind of my nature. And I think a lot of creators get stuck in this world of to, in order to have something to make, I have to have like a statement. I have to have like a, uh, answer almost. And I'm just struck by how, you know, your, you use this podcast as a means of, um, kind of finding this education that you didn't have for music. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, I just feel like there's an interesting shift that goes on. I feel like a lot of times as creators, or if you're going to start a podcast or you're going to make an album or whatever, you feel like, uh, I always put it in, I'm not, I'm I'm not even a huge Lord of the Rings guy, but it's just the, (laughs) like, this is the, my way into it. I feel like you either put yourself in Frodo's shoes where you're like, I'm the hero, here's my music. Or you put yourself in the Gandalf and you're like, I'm going to guide you through this thing. Whereas I feel like there's a really interesting role with Sam of this like friend companion. And it's almost, it's just really fascinating how something is amazing and, and taking a life of its own kind of thing. Song Exploder is it starting from this place of like, I need this might as well, like bring other people along on this. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I just think that that's really, that's an interesting creative prompt for people because a lot of us think, oh, we've got to have this amazing idea or answer rather than I have a curiosity. And I, and I even think you can make music and illustration and all kinds of art from that stance rather than, yeah, a top down kind of thing. Does that make sense? I think so. Um, I think that uh, I did have, you know, a grand answer of of a sort when I started Mm. the show, which is that um, just the belief that taking a song apart in that way and listening to the individual, you know, individual tracks and um, and sort of slow reading the the lyrics the way you would when you know you'd listen to you would look at liner notes um that that is something that is exciting and interesting uh even fascinating and deepens your appreciation regardless of what the song is like regardless of what the genre is 
and uh, and that you could apply it to all different kinds of things. It's it was it's not like, hey, this is a song for people who like. I mean, this is a podcast for only for people who like country music or yeah. hip hop or something like that. It's just like, nope, this is we're gonna we're gonna use this as a canvas, and the canvas will be filled with all different kinds of music, but um, we're gonna treat it the same way and and see what your feeling is. Like it, it's a way, it's sort of a show that I think proves its thesis, hopefully. Mm over the body of work as opposed to in an individual episode. Yeah, that, that makes tons of sense. Um, uh, and, and I, and it's definitely true. I I've listened to episodes of the show, um, the TV show, uh, or the podcast from artists who I had no interest in, uh, personally up into that point. And then afterwards just, couldn't stop thinking about the one that comes to mind for me is the nine inch nails one. I wasn't a nine inch nails guy. I just, you know, didn't grow up kind of in that zone. But after watching that episode of the show, I just could not stop thinking about uh, Trent Reznor and that moment and that song and the choices they made. It was just, I, yeah, I, it's just really fascinating and it proves your point. Thanks. Uh, I'm also curious as, a musician other than kind of the the bit that you talked about in the TED talk you've talked to some of the greatest musicians of all time arguably at least of our time and uh, I wonder if you feel like it's impacted the way that you approach making music even just on a personal level um do, do you feel like it has it has definitely and mostly for the good I'm starting to discover something that maybe it's i don't know if it's not good but w one thing that that i've been thinking about this is sort of again like a, a bit of a meta lesson from having made the show for so long and it kind of goes back to the idea of like oh when you do this thing you need to have the answer first mm -hmm. um you know when i'm making the show i'm always looking for songs that have a great story uh because podcasts are storytelling medium and there are some great songs that have been born out of very little <laughs> in terms of the raw ingredients where it's like, sure. yeah, I like sat down. I like went like this, put a drums under it, made a beat, sent it to this rapper. He rapped over it. It is a huge, huge hit. But like that, you know, that isn't necessarily a story that's going to feel emotional. Um, it might feel more technical and I'm always looking for ones that feel like, okay, what's the story where you get a sense of the person? Um, you know, like this, the, the episode is on paper about the song, but the way I try and approach it is it's about the person and the, the song is just this little miniature moment of biography for them. And, uh, and so I want the like richest thing that says like, that answers this question of like, who are they? Who, who is this person? Um, because of that, because I've now spent years looking for songs and being attracted to songs where I think that there's some kind of answer, you know, like I'll go after a song and I'm like, you're saying something here. And I think, I think there's a story behind it mm. that when I go to write music now, I feel a deep pressure to have a great story behind this song mm. that it really needs to mean something. When someone has asked me, what's this song about? that I have a really compelling answer. There's a lot of great music. And, and honestly, there's a lot of stuff that's been featured on the podcast where like, oh, how did that, 
come about? And people will say, well, I wrote the music and I sang this melody and I only found what the words were going to be based on the shape of the melody and, you know, and then kind of just like strung stuff together from there. And, uh, and even that idea, even when the song works out that way, for me, I can't, I can't do that uh, because I'm so hung up on this idea of like, no, the art must be meaningful. And if that's the case, then you need to have the meaning before you even go into it. Um, that's been, that's been hard as I've been trying to write more recently. I, I noticed like, I can't just go and like jam and then yeah. be like, here's the song that came out of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. It's like, I mean, it's not funny creatively. I don't mean to belittle it because I know exactly the kind of mind game you're playing with yourself and how <laughs> uncomfortable it can be. So I'm not trying to belittle it or anything. Um, but it's, it also is funny from an outside point of view. It feels like the pressure of, uh, well, what if I had to be on song exploder to explain this? Like what I say, um, that's really funny. Um, but you know, it kind of made me think like, uh, I've gotten really into dream interpretation in a way that's related to storytelling lately. Mm. When I was in high school, I was super into dreams just cause I was like, this is trippy, man, that kind of thing. And then yeah. now I've come full circle to see like, or to kind of appreciate people that can interpret dreams well through like that have like really good, rich experience and that kind of work um, can do it in a way where it has a very like clicking, satisfying storytelling kind of arc where you're like, oh, it's that and this and whatever. And it made me feel like, um, you know, even just listening to people tell the story in the sh in on your show that songs a lot of times feel like they're more like dreams where they're these like unconscious projections that maybe they only figure out what it's about until when they're on your show. Like sometimes you'll hear people having those moments, right? It's really yeah. satisfying. And I think some of the artists that uh, do it really well, it seems like, do that dream projection intuitive, like these are the images that are coming out and then before they even finish the song, have a reflective period and then maybe inject more back into it now that they understand it. Do you like, have you felt like you've seen people maybe have new layers of meaning as they're working it out on your show? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll ask a question and be like, I thought maybe this connected to this and, th and they'll say like, gosh, I did not think about it when I was writing it. But I, now that you have connected those dots for me. Yes, I, I did like my subconscious was trying to, you know, relate these two things. And, uh, and that's always exciting. I mean, it, it's very special for me because then I'm like, I did a good job as an interviewer. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then of course I like leave my question out that prompted them. And so all you get is them saying like, Oh, this, you know, you, you just hear them making the connection themselves, which is, which is really fun. That makes a ton of sense. And I think it speaks to what a great, storyteller and podcaster you are. And I think it, it makes me wonder because I feel like a lot of creators these days, maybe always, I don't, I don't know, have had a lot of different, um, mediums going on at the same time, different mm -hmm. creative outlets. And I was curious if how you think of your work in, 
in podcasting and storytelling and what did you have training in that just after all of these episodes and all this experience? How do you think about that in terms of your creative practice? So when I started Song Exploder, I had never made anything like that. I, I didn't have any kind of writing or journalism background. I'd really spent the prior, you know, 12 years of my life uh, after college trying to be a full-time musician. And I would do freelance graphic design, um, you know, to pay the bills when, when, when music wasn't cutting it. Mm. And, um, and making Song Exploder originally felt more like a combination of the music and design parts of my life where I was like, okay, I know, um, with graphic design and, and web design, you know, how you think about an audience's experience of something. And so it was really, it was like almost this like user experience, uh, uh, mentality that was guiding me through how to make, make the show. Like, well, what do I, how do I want them to feel when they first get there? And, um, and, that was really useful. I think having that kind of audience based um, lens to look at the show through uh, and only that, you know, was, was helpful. It, it ended up making a lot of the decisions about the show um, very clear for me, like the fact that the sh episodes are short and the fact that I am not in it, you know, that you don't, hear my questions because I was thinking I was, you know, trying to be as sort of brutal about the, the audience's experience, you know, and what, and what, like what people might have patience for, uh, right. to be a, basically be as, as much the opposite of self-indulgent as, as I could be, um, that, that ended up defining a lot of what the show's parameters were. Um, but yeah, so, so, so my, the the background behind it was really and then you know i knew how to work in pro tools because i'd been making records for for a, a decade and um and understanding you know some things about rhythm from being a drummer and i'd been a music editor on some some films and i'd worked as an assistant to a composer and i moved to la to make music for for films so the idea of like how music works with storytelling uh was something that i thought about a lot but this was sort of the inverse of what it, the way it works in a movie, where here's the story and here's the music to play in the background to accompany it. It was more like, here's the music. What are the words to accompany it to give it more meaning? Um, so I was kind of just trying to pull from those instincts, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And you can still argue that I know. <laughs> I, I would not argue that. My gut would say that it's probably a good practice to swing the pendulum back and forth between, like, I feel like a lot of creative stuff, it's good to apply different kind of brain energies at different points in the process. Like mm -hmm. this is writing energy. It's not editing flow. Just do it. Then later be like brutal about it, but don't try to do them at the same time. So my guess would be that maybe there's a balance here and I feel like it could be out of whack because this notion um, of being, putting yourself in the audience's shoes. Like 
I feel like that is not at least historically kind of what people would say is what an artist should do or a creator or any, you know, you should be only, you should, you know, art is the ultimate self-indulgence go all in. And I actually, I get, there are things about that that definitely make sense, maybe in different phases, but I don't hear a lot of people doing what you just said, which was mm. what would be the way to eliminate myself from this creative thing? Like, I just think it's a really interesting thought experiment um, for a creator to have. Um, this this far into it, what are your what's your take on that? Well, I think that my brain divides up art and design. Um, having done both, and having been an you know uh, an art major that did both photography and graphic design, I think of them in in two different categories, and. The work that I make as a musician, like the songs that I write, I hope to put them in the art category. And Song Exploder, I put in the design category. And the difference for me is exactly this, what we're talking about. Like the the art is the thing that you make that comes from you and you're not, you're not considering, I don't know, it, it's pulled right out of you. Um, but design is made for an audience, you know, like, like the, the art that you make, you make it because you are compelled to, but design is made with the idea that someone else is going to interact with it. And what do you, what are you, and you're serving that audience. Yeah. And so song exploder for me never felt like my art. Um, it has always felt like this is a, this is a thing that I do. It's like, it, it, has taken up more prominence in my life than what it was intended to be, which was just a sort of side hustle around my music career. Um, but, uh, but I, I think I was never precious with it, uh, or at least maybe I, that's my probably totally untrue. Probably extremely <laughs> precious with it. I was like, that's kind of my main mode. But I feel like uh, less so than with with my music, where I'm like, no, it has to be this way, and I don't care if anybody doesn't get it because this is what it means to me. With um with with Song Exploder, I was like, no, this is for an audience, and I want people to, I want people to be able to get it right away. And um, I mean, it's not the easiest show. It's not like a fun comedy podcast where you can just put it on and laugh. But I I, I and maybe because of that, I was like, how do I get people to care about this? And um and that and I tried to kind of like keep hammering at that. You know, I had the like, how do I make people? care hammer and i would just pound <laughs> pound at the at the shape of the the podcast until it felt like something that like was wasn't self-indulgent because it's a tough sell i think in some ways it's a to say like hey sit down and maybe listen to a song that you've never heard before and listen to the story of it it's like well how do i get people to do that one i can't make it a feature length you know thing it can't be an hour-long conversation because that's just too much to invest mm -hmm. for a stranger if you're a stranger if if this artist is a stranger to you and the song is a stranger to you um i'd have to be kind of bite-sized and and also i didn't want people to feel like i was a guy who was like the in the lord of the rings metaphor that you had yeah. that i like saw myself as gandalf and i was like let me tell you yeah. how this goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me dispense some wisdom here. Yeah. Um, and I, and even it, and even not in a f format where I'm like, 
here's why this song works or here's the whatever you know sometimes people call song exploder like a music analysis show which is fine if that's how they feel about it but that's not at all how i feel about it because it's not like about it's not about music theory if sometimes that stuff comes in but for me it's really like like i said a little portrait of this this person and um and so if that's the case then maybe you don't need me um in there you know i i actually the dream thing that you mentioned also come came up a lot when i was trying to explain how to edit the tv show to the editors that i was working with because for the first time i had to you know translate the show into this other medium with people who worked very differently and and had different sort of goals uh than than what maybe the show was anyway the the thing i kept uh, saying i remember over and over again now a few years ago was like you don't want to break the spell of the dream and having too much of me you know the, the show was a little different because i was visible as an interviewer here and there but i and i kept on pushing to like have less of me in there because i was like you don't want to break the you don't want to wake someone up from the dream you want the this you want to sort of step into the dream state of the artist remembering what it felt like to create this thing and and that does feel a little bit detached from reality it's something from their past and you're and you're scoring it with the things they're talking about and it should feel a little bit like a meditation or a little bit like a dream and if it becomes too literal and it feels too much like a back and forth conversation then you'll never get that kind of dream state thing that i think feels like listening to music when it's really good yeah i totally i totally Totally, totally agree with that. And I think, so I really loved what you said. And I, and I definitely find myself kind of um, falling into those categories when I approach making things like art and design or, or however you want to think about it. And I think because I wanted to, like my podcast started out about creative career, like thinking about that idea. And I think it's just, I felt less conflicted when I started it eight years ago, I felt more like, oh, those, those two circles could be in a Venn diagram that's quite overlapped. I think over time, I felt like they're more distinct than I thought they were, but I'm still curious about the way that they overlap. Um, Which are the, and what are the two circles? Creativity and career. Okay, so got I, it. Yeah. And I would put those, you know, I would kind of, uh, associate those with the art and design kind of right. these two different things. Sometimes I think about it like, um, like, uh, you know, the, like writers talk about pantsers versus plotters and like pantsers just like flow plotters have, are like solving a problem more like, and mm -hmm. I, so I'm very just, and, and, uh, an example that, um, my audience is probably sick of me talking about, cause it's just one I've thought a lot about is, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm is such an interesting, they've done a really cool thing of trying to blend two energies, trying to find a way to do that where, I don't know if you're familiar, but they, with the way they do it, but they, they have a plot, but right. then they don't not, not script the play. scenes. Yeah. yeah. So like it's improv and planned in a way that's really fascinating. So I, I don't know. I just, that's what it's got me thinking about like, um, that sweet spot, is it, you know, is it possible to try to do both at the same time? I don't know. Hmm. 
Well, one thing I, I would say uh, is loose with Song Exploder to some extent is the yeah. interview. You know, to make this 15 minute episode, I usually interview people for 60 to 90 minutes. And I don't know what's going to come out of it. I don't know what it's going to be. And it's really like just excavating the story. Um, and part of the reason too, why I prefer to cut my questions out is because like, I just have to, you know, poke and prod in so many silly ways sometimes to try and feel like, well, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of music therapy, you know, where they'll tell me like, then they've had this part and I'll be like, well, why'd you use that instrument? And then when, what about that? And what's behind that? And what's behind that? And, you know, might not be the most fun thing to listen to, but I think it yields interesting stories sometimes. And so that stuff has to be kind of loose and messy. And then when I go to the editing side, that's when really like the design brain takes over. Mm, yeah. That, that makes tons of sense. Do you have anything from when you started to where you are now that has changed your perspective on creativity or music based on these conversations? Like, have you, is there any dramatic shift of like, oh, I really had that wrong or I didn't think of it that way or just it surprised you from these conversations about maybe just even how people think of creativity or music in a way that isn't potentially true. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the most important thing that the show has done for me is sort of a version of a creative pep talk, mm. which is it really disabused me of something that I, I have had lived with the entire time I'd been making music. Um, like I said, I didn't go to school for music and I didn't go to school for, you know, recording music, but this is what I would do. I'd write songs and I'd hole up in my bedroom and I would record them and, and not just record them, but like try and produce them and try and make, make something that lived up to the dream of the song that I had in my head and that lived up to the stuff that I loved, the, the music that I would listen to and, and, and was inspired by. And I always heard the shortcomings you know, I could always hear the way my talent and my taste and my technical abilities and whatever, like added up to here's this final thing. And well, it's not as good as this thing that I love. Um, and no matter how far I got in my career, I always kind of felt that way. And part of the reason why was because I was like, well, I don't know the right way of doing things. You know, just like with, with starting the podcast where I was like, I don't know how you do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it and just hope for the best. And, uh, and that was sort of my attitude with, with music, but there was always this little nugget of like, it would probably be better. Well, let me try that again. It would probably be better if I did actually know. And it, like, there's a right way to write a song. There's a right way to record every song and produce every song. And, you know, and, and some of my limitations were access to gear and studios and, musicians and part of it was an, a lack of knowledge and what i learned from making the show is by talking to artists in all different situations who had made music that i loved and that other people loved 
uh, is that the the origins of those songs were often incredibly messy and and the production of those songs was often incredibly messy and the idea of uh there being a right way to do something disappeared there's just like there were just ways people just did stuff and and sometimes yeah people had access to all these things that i thought were missing and something came out and sometimes songs that i loved people were in the same position as me and they just sort of did something with whatever or or an accident led to something else and until i had talked to them and made that episode i never knew that i just listened to the song and loved it and thought it was perfect and imagined this uh, song kind of being born perfect mm. i found it really really inspiring to to recognize that people across all different genres and generations all kind of were doing the same thing where they're just like, I don't know, this is what I got and I hope this works. And there's stuff you can learn from experience and, 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 and that's true and people can certainly get better. But the idea of like there being a right way that there's like a perfect score that exists out there in the world that I wasn't, that I was falling short of, I got to learn that that was false. Yeah, I, I love that. I love the idea that you found that all these different circumstances, no pattern in the way that they happened and came together. And it was rarely because all the perfect pieces were there and all that, all that kind of thing. And then on the other side, the pattern of, yeah, they were just, they were all just trying it, just trying. Yeah. What if I try this? Like, is there any other, maybe any other pattern in terms of approach, even creatively, if it's not production that you've taken over the years of like, huh, that's come up a bunch of times or, um, yeah, yeah I don't know if anything comes to mind. Yeah. I, I would say one thing that was a surprising piece of information that's emerged over, over the years and emerged fairly quickly was how important that the I think the most important tool in music making like to speak generally across all genres and whatever the most important tool is um the voice memo app mm, yeah <laughs> it's it's the thing that um comes up all the time in the show and at, you know I used to ask for people to send me the multi-tracks of their songs so we could listen to it sort of stem by stem but now I also ask, do you have any voice memos? Do, was there a moment when you started this that you you whipped out your phone and said, let me record this? And getting those is as exciting to me as the initial impulse of the show of hearing the the things broken down because it's really like it's this raw capture of somebody's imagination and it's messy and it's, it's, it is the like purest form of the first draft a lot of times and i and i decided to start using that myself to, i was like well this is a tool that is there and i think that's what makes it so powerful is that like at your fingertips you have the capacity to to capture something really really instinctive and i think so much of what makes art interesting and also hard to do is the translation of an instinct into something that you can express to someone else. But here's this thing that's like, I'm gonna document that instant, that instinct in the instant that it happens. Mm -hmm. um, 
you don't have to like set up a mic. As soon as you like set up a microphone and hit record, it's like already so many other thoughts have happened <laughs> that might that might adulterate whatever that initial impulse was. But if you can just be like, oh, I'm thinking it's like this. And uh, that's been incredible. I, uh, yeah, that, I, that makes tons of sense. And I, it reminds me of this, uh, thing I've, I think it's called the bed, bath and bus. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. It's a, it's a thing as I, every once in a while I'll get curious and start like trying to dive into like neuroscience around creativity. And I, you know, I've had some fun times there, but if you go too deep and start listening to people talking to other neuroscientists, you're like, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, but one of the one, I don't know where this came from. So I'll have to look it up to put it in the show notes, but there's a thing, I think it's called the bed, bath and bus. And it's about how they have found that so many of those moments of inspiration strike in places like oh. the bed, the bath and the bus. And uh, yeah, uh, it, it, the voice memo thing has made it so that we're never in a place where we can't yes. capture that, which is really, yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That's so funny. It didn't connect to my, my mind because in my head it's, uh, it's, uh, the bed, car and shower <laughs> somehow i was like i don't know what this means but of course i know what that means because yeah that, those are the three places where all of my ideas have been born basically that's really interesting i'm gonna go dive back into that too and see like what things get in the way of those things happening because it's interesting too it makes me think well you have the voice memo app but you also have all the ways that this thing can distract you from having those moments yes yeah and so it's your you know it's the it's a very powerful tool you can yeah. maybe get in your way or be the thing that paves the way. Um, yeah. yeah. People have those, you know, they, they downgrade to like dumb phones or like flip phones or whatever. There should be a version where it's like, it's a dumb phone, but it still has the voice memos app. That's it. That's the next product from Song Exploder. That's the thing that's going <laughs> to freaking make you a billionaire. That you got to get some venture capital on that because I think yeah. musicians everywhere need that. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, hey, this was fantastic. I mean, I just could do this all day. Just you're, I, I love hearing your thoughts. I think you're an incredible creator and storyteller. Uh, and then also just the wealth of creative in, experience and information that you've been able to glean is just, uh, I, I'm extremely jealous. Like the, the people you've talked to, good Lord. Did you ever think that you'd be having these conversations? No. Um, yeah. yeah. Last year, I remember uh, I did an episode with Madonna and I was like, oh what gosh. is this? What is happening? <laughs> have you, have you got any tricks to, uh, do you panic before talking to Madonna or have you figured that out? It's not panic exactly. It's more like, you know, sometimes people have asked me if I get starstruck um, yeah. when, when talking to these these big names and it's not really that I get starstruck because I think I'm too mission focused mm. in the moment. I think what I get nervous about is like, can I get them to give me what I need? You know, can I get them to actually talk about the song in a kind of potent and, and tactile way where you feel like you're living in their memory. And, um, and that's always hard. And, and, you know, and like how many, how many chances will I get? to ask them the same, if I don't, if I ask them a question and I don't get the answer that I want, I have, I have X number of 
attempts before I have to give up and move on, you know? And so I'll say, well, can, can I ask it this way? So in the moment, I panic a little bit about like, am I going to get this bit? Because I'm sort of editing as I'm interviewing at the same time. Yeah. Like, I still don't have that part. It's more about yeah. that than, than it is. I have been listening to you since I was four years old. <laughs> Do you have any, have you found any tricks to get your head in that space or get them, get the right atmosphere between you and the person you're interviewing? Have you found any ways of getting kind of better at that? Well, I try and pace things so that I'm not asking the hardest, deepest questions up front. And, um, and so I kind of switch from what the underlying question is. I, I start off with a little more of like what and when, and then go to how, and then live in why, uh, towards the end. Um, because then I think hopefully they've built some level of comfort and trust with me and they've settled in and they can start to forget about themselves and stop thinking about the mic that's in front of them. And the headphones that they're wearing or whatever and uh yeah. and just being sort of um caught up and one of the honestly one of the biggest tools that i have um for luring people out of their self-consciousness is the the isolated tracks from their song because i get to play this thing back to them something that they've made that they might not have heard for years um or or even if it's a new song by the time it comes out, you know, the last stages of the song are mixing it and mastering it. And then there's all this promotion and it's maybe in that cycle of promotion that you've come to do Song Exploder. But the moment where you just played that one guitar part by itself might be so far in your rearview mirror that when I play that for them, I'm giving them a little sense memory of their own experience and uh and so i you know trying to create that dream state for them to start talking about oh i remember it was like this and i felt this uh i don't have to do that just with words that, that that's great i love that softball thing of what and how is so easy because it's not vulnerable it's just, and they're just an there's just answers there too. yeah yeah. Um, you know, uh, that, that's, that's great. I really, I really love that. It's going to help me in my next, uh, next one. I could, um, but, uh, Hey, I, I, I love this. I really appreciate your time and thanks for making the show. Massive thanks to Rishi K. Shearway for taking the time. It was uh, just just a great chat. I ended up leaving just super filled up with creative energy and inspiration. I hope you're feeling the same way. Like I promised, I'm going to give you a quick CTA, a creative call to adventure on how to take some of these ideas and put them to action in your creative practice right now. And I'm calling this the creative key. So many of you will know the story of how when I first posted the invisible things back in 2018, I'd already dripped out content around invisible things for years. I had been working on that project since 20. 
at least 2011, maybe 2012. That's when I first started writing stories around the whisper and the dream thing, these little personified abstract ideas. And I started to integrate these characters into my work in all kinds of different ways. And I posted things about drawing invisible things since 2008, because my work has always been about trying to visualize the invisible. And um, eventually, after pitching books around this property and this topic, for years and just not getting anywhere and posting stuff, kind of hidden things and, and hiding these characters in my work and, and kind of subversively integrating these ideas into almost everything I was making. I got really frustrated because I felt like nobody was picking up what I was putting down. No one was getting what was cool about this. And I felt like, man, this thing is so exciting and interesting to me. I'm just sick of nobody getting what's cool about this. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to lay it out in the most simple, straightforward way and just explain what this project is with a post that's kind of a key, like a key to a map for understanding my work. And I put invisible things at the top and I put a bunch of the characters and I put their what they represented um, underneath them. And I posted that to Twitter and that post just really took off, took on a whole life of its own. Uh, people started tagging themselves in it of the ones that they related to the most. And it went all over the world. Like it had a life in different languages and ultimately was the thing that unlocked my new picture book that I co-created with my wife, Sophie Miller, that's coming out July 18th, 2023. And, uh, and it all came from this moment of saying, I'm not going to hide my biggest, most favorite ideas in these subversive, invisible places. I'm going to just come out and explain what this thing is. Now, I think there are plenty of times in your creative journey where you can put Easter eggs in your work. You can build in layers of meaning that you don't over explain and you let just kind of work on people subconsciously or catch on in their own time. But if you're in a place where you're not getting the opportunities you want, nobody is seeing what you're trying to achieve. I think it's important to remember that almost every creator that's ever had success has had to have those moments in meetings where they're selling their movie and they're explaining what's so good about it, or they're promoting the album and they're talking in interviews and they're having to give some clues and some hints to what's happening or what the intentions are in the work. And for me personally, some of those moments where you see you know, I remember uh, I mentioned Rostam at the beginning of this. Uh, one of the episodes of Song Exploder that I love the most is Rostam explaining his song Bike Dream. And Vampire Weekend, which was his original band that he was in, I didn't get them. I'd heard some of their songs when of their first album, but I didn't get them until I saw them. I saw a video of them playing some of their songs live. And all of a sudden, the context of the room and, and the the attitude that they were showing up to the performance with, it just clicked and you never know what little piece of behind the scenes information might help somebody get what you're trying to achieve in your work. 
And so I wanted to leave you with this prompt to create a post on social media that takes your favorite piece of work or your favorite idea and breaks it down in a behind the scenes sort of way and actually create something cool. Don't just talk about it, but create some new work that really makes this idea accessible. And that can be your creative key for understanding your best piece or your general practice at large. If you're not in a place where your audience is crazy about your work and people are knocking down your door to give you new opportunities, this can be a really good practice to help light the fuse. So that's your creative call to adventure today. Massive thanks again to Rishi Cage Hereway for being on the show. Uh, I love what you do, man, and um, really appreciate you taking the time. This episode was brought to you by the invisible thing, Echo. Echo Echo was the second invisible thing that Sophie and I came up with. I came up with the whisper. That was the first one. And then we started talking about how this could be a series. And Echo was the second one that we came up with. And that was actually Sophie's idea. She'd already visualized Echo as being this creature that repeats what you say when she was talking to our kids about what an echo was. And, uh, and so echo is the second one. And of course, echo is an invisible thing. That's a sound, which sounds related to this episode being all about music and songs. Uh, but also echo is kind of uh, a, a spiritual supporter of this episode, because I think it's important not to be afraid to echo your sentiments, to explain yourself, to, repost work that you're proud of like it's okay to echo yourself and fight your case of why people should take a look at what you're doing and so I'm encouraging you to embrace and embody the invisible thing of echo this week if you don't know we have a new picture book you do know because you've heard me say it a million times but We are in the crunch time. We are in the go time. It is the important moment for us to get people to get on those pre-orders. If you pre-order the book, you can submit your receipt via the button on invisiblethings.co to the publisher and you'll get a free poster. We are also doing a promo where if you do before July 18th, if you buy 10 copies and you send it to my email at hi at andyjpizza.com. You can instantly sign up for a one-on-one creative direction, uh, creative identity call with me, a one-on-one call where we explore where you're at and where you want to go together, um, an hour-long call. We don't open those up very often, and so we did this as a special occasion to try to uh, get the word out about this thing that means so much to us and i um, really, really excited for the world to see it. So you can go learn more at invisiblethings.co. Thank you so much for the people that have already come out in massive support. The publisher is overwhelmed and excited by how many posters they have to send out, but they are uh, they said they've never seen 
they, they, I don't know if this is real or not, but they said they've never seen a pre-order incentive with this much action. So I really, really appreciate it, but we're not really quite to our goals yet to get on the kinds of lists and radars that will help this book have a real chance of, um, you know, reaching lots of kids. And so we need your help. InvisibleThings.co. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and our soundtrack. Thanks to Connor Jones for editing and sound design. Thanks to Katie Chandler, Ryan Appleton, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to and and thanks to you in part to you. Thanks for listening or something. And uh, until we speak again, stay pepped up. Mm-hmm.